You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. We find ourselves in an interesting time and place as Catholics in 2019, particularly in Butte. So many things in our day are challenging our faith. First, from within the church, sort of being challenged, um, looking at the church. But then, of course, from outside in the culture as well. I know a few Catholics who are even told me they considered throwing in the towel, just sort of giving up. And that's certainly an option, but I think it's a weak option. It's an option that's not worthy of your dignity. I do think it's a great time to ask very fundamental questions about who Jesus Christ is and what is his church, who we are as human beings, what it means to be a Christian in the modern world, and even this sort of nature of the world that we live in. Those are all good questions that we need to ask. I think they're being asked in our culture to a certain extent. We're not doing a very good job of answering them. So if you're thinking, or if you've thought recently, just don't know if the church can survive this mess of corruption from within, you know, and then the bombardment from the secular culture without a corruption that's sort of crippling us uh, all the way up in the hierarchy. And then the sort of shift in Western culture that's happening so drastically, especially within the morality of Western culture, uh, And then you see the church sort of slowly responding to some of it and then refusing to affirm certain things that our culture wants to affirm. And it's sort of making us look from the eyes of the world sort of outdated and foolish, you could say. But know that that's nothing new for the church to look like that from the eyes of the world. Uh, And this struggle is nothing new. You know, John Henry Newman, a great saint and theologian and historian, who, who knew the history of the church well and himself lived in a crazy time, in the middle of the 19th century, the height of the Enlightenment, the rise of secularism in Europe, and the church was seeing the culture just attacking it from all sides. Uh, he came into the church in that culture, and he said this. He said, The whole course of Christianity is but one series of troubles and disorders. Every century is like every other. And those who live in it, to those who live in it, it seems worse than all that come before it. The church is ever ailing. Religion seems ever expiring. Schisms are dominant. The light of truth is dim. Its adherents scattered. The cause of Christ is ever in its last agony. So it's nothing new to feel this way. But how can we know that this isn't sort of truly the end? And if if the church is really just a series of disasters over the course of centuries, then why do we bother with it? Those are good questions. I think the scriptures today, as is usual, have something to say about this. Um, Our first reading is the story of the calling of the prophet Elisha by Elijah. Uh, And Elijah has finished his run. You know, his, his role as the prophet to Israel is over. 
And if you're, if you're not familiar with the story of Elijah, you need to read it. It's a great story. It's a, just a joyful read. Uh, it's action-packed, it's spiritually rich, and it's really short. So you have no excuse not to read it. It's only eight chapters. You know, start at King 17 and just read till Elijah's taken up into heaven. Take you ten minutes. But it's an amazing story. But Elijah is called as a prophet to live a miserable life of suffering. You know, as is the, as is the case with most prophets, you know, they're usually called to tell Israel that, that things are not going well. It's kind of their job. So Elijah has to show up to King Ahab's court and say, King Ahab, you're doing a terrible job. And so is your wife Jezebel. And, and you're making everyone fall into idolatry. So there's going to be a drought for three years. And that's not a fun thing to have to say. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story because you need to read it for yourself. But it's basically a ser- series of great miracles and a lot of suffering for Elijah. But Elisha, knowing, knowing this situation, he knows the situation of, of Israel. He knows how, how dark the times are. And Elijah is such a big figure, he surely knows everything that's happened to him. And then suddenly one day, he's plowing his field, and Elijah comes and throws his mantle over him. And so he knows kind of what he's being called to. He knows what he's up against. And to sum it up, you know, the Lord tells Elijah, I promise you there will at least be 7,000 people left in Israel who have not fallen into idolatry. Now, that's not a lot of people. So things are falling apart. Elisha knows that. But how does he respond? I think he responds the only way he possibly can, which is he slaughters his 12 oxen and he tears his, tears his plow apart and cooks the oxen with the wood from his plow and then feeds his village and leaves to go follow Elijah. Now, I don't know how much you know about farming in the ancient world, but I think you can sort of just realize from the story that anyone who has 12 oxen pulling their plow is doing all right. I mean, Elisha was a rich man. He was comfortable. He had a good life. He didn't need to leave it. Yet here he goes, you know, burning, literally burning the ability to go back to that life. Burning it up. He has to now set out on this great adventure to follow the Lord. He knows he's going to be rejected, persecuted, and he is. But God has called, and when God calls, there's no happiness outside of that call. So knowing where he's headed, Elisha asks Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. He knows, he knows himself. He knows his courage or his lack of courage. And so he asks Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. And actually, if you count up the miracles in their lives, you know, Elijah does eight kind of great miracles in his life. And Elisha does 16. So he actually, in a sense, received a double portion of his spirit. But that's not the point. This is how many miracles he did. The point is, when we ask the Lord for grace, no matter what we ask for, he is going to give it to us. He will give it to us. So let's move more forward to the gospel today. Today's gospel is a demanding and extremely difficult gospel to hear. If you're really listening, it's hard to hear. Jesus' journey 
toward the cross has begun. He has turned resolutely toward Jerusalem, is what the scriptures say. He's rejected by a Samaritan town on his way, sort of a harbinger of what's to come. And as he goes farther, this man approaches him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And what's his response? It's really odd. He says, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying? He's telling the man, I don't think you know who you're following. I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into if you follow me. I'm poor. I have no home. My role here is to die for the sins of the world. It's not, a, it's not a fun journey. It's not the road to kingship. At least not a kingship of this world. And then the following accounts are even harder. What one man asks, he says, I'll follow you, just let me go bury my father. Another one says, hey, let me go t- say goodbye to my family. And the Lord rejects both of those. And... I mean, to be, so just so you know, bury my father doesn't mean that his father has actually died and he needs to bury him. It means his father is old and he needs to care for him until the end of his life, until he's died. You know, the fourth commandment is pretty important. But all the same, is Jesus asking him to abandon his aging father and go out and preach the kingdom of God? I think these stories emphasize to us the perpetual urgency of preaching the gospel. We're called to be courageous witnesses within the church precisely in this difficult time. If you live right now, which you do, you're called to preach the gospel right now, in this time. And the Holy Spirit is sufficient. You know, if we ask for a double portion because we know that it's difficult to live as Christians in this world, the Lord will give us the double portion that we need. And we don't need to be discouraged. You know, people are stepping up. Just a couple days ago, native son of Butte, Nathan Scheidecker, was ordained a priest for our diocese. It was a great day. Uh, a man who literally left everything to follow the Lord. And I just got back from legendary leadership camp from this week. 80 young men and women who have dedicated their lives to leading their peers to Jesus Christ. You know, they were, they're faithful, they know the Lord, they love the church, and they do so in a time that that's not easy. But they seem all the more faithful because of this difficult time. So the Lord's provided. But it's not easy. You know, Ned's ordination is the last one we're going to have in our diocese for at least three years. And I don't know if any of you went to the ordination, but if you looked at all the priests, it's not not a bunch of spring chickens out there. I mean, we're old. We are old. I mean, three years, I don't know how many we could lose to retirement. Could be five to eight priests retiring with zero coming in. Things are going to look a lot different in the church in the time to come. So we need young men to step up. Young men, all of you out there, step up. Is the Lord calling you to priesthood? If he is, follow the call. Don't be afraid in this time. Families with young children, we're going to need priests in this church if we want to have the Eucharist in the years to come. And I'm not just talking about priesthood. Priesthood is the, 
I would say, a visible sign of the urgency of the gospel in the church today. Uh, It's not looking good. But we need renewal across the entire church. You know, the crisis in the church isn't just in the priesthood, it's everywhere. And so we need renewal everywhere. The Lord always provides in these times. Whenever there's difficult times in the church, the Lord raises up saints in those times to renew the church. That's always how it's worked, and that's always how it will work. Um, But the ones who he raises up are us, are you. So no matter where you are in your life, no matter what your state in life, the Lord is calling you in a very concrete way right now to witness the faith in this culture. And you're never going to know exactly what that call is unless you know the Lord. So come to know the Lord in new ways. Whatever you need to change in your life to make his voice more clear, that's what you need to do. And certainly ask hard questions. We need to ask hard questions of the church, and we need to ask hard questions of the Lord. But we've got to be ready for the answer. So ask the questions And then be prepared for the answer, because the answer most likely involves you doing something about it. Uh, The Lord is calling you to do something about it. So, let's turn our lives over to the Lord. Ask those questions, be ready to hear his voice, and then be ready to go out on mission for him. Amen.